35 minutes west longitude. In these simultaneous observations, they thought themselves justified in estimating the minimum length of the mammal at more than 350 feet, as the Shannon and Helvetia were of smaller dimensions than it, although they measured 300 feet overall. Now the largest whales, those which frequent those parts of the sea round the Aleutian, Cullimark, and Umgulich Islands, have never exceeded the length of sixty yards, if they attain that. In every place of great resort the monster was the fashion. They sang of it in the cafes, ridiculed it in the papers, and represented it on the stage. All kinds of stories were circulated regarding it. There appeared, in the papers, caricatures of every gigantic and imaginary creature, from the white whale, the terrible Moby Dick of sub-Arctic regions, to the immense kraken, whose tentacles could entangle a ship of five hundred tons and hurry it into the abyss of the ocean. The legends of ancient times were even revived. Then burst forth the unending argument between the believers and the unbelievers in the societies of the wise and the scientific journals. The question of the monster inflamed all minds. Editors of scientific journals, quarreling with believers in the supernatural, spilled seas of ink during this memorable campaign, some even drawing blood, for from the sea serpent they came to direct personalities. During the first months of the year 1867 the question seemed buried never to revive when new facts were brought before the public. It was then no longer a scientific problem to be solved, but a real danger seriously to be avoided. The question took quite another shape. The monster became a small island, a rock, a reef, but a reef of indefinite and shifting proportions. On the 5th of March, 1867, the Moravian of the Montreal Ocean Company, finding herself during the night in 27 degrees 30 minutes latitude and 72 degrees 15 minutes longitude, struck on her starboard quarter a rock, marked in no chart for that part of the sea. Under the combined efforts of the wind and its 400 horsepower, it was going at the rate of 13 knots. Had it not been for the superior strength of the hull of the Moravian, she would have been broken by the shock, and gone down with the 237 passengers she was bringing home from Canada. The accident happened about five o'clock in the morning, as the day was breaking. The officers of the quarter-deck hurried to the after part of the vessel. They examined the sea with the most careful attention. They saw nothing but a strong eddy, about three cables' length distant, as if the surface had been violently agitated. The bearings of the place were taken exactly, and the Moravian continued its route without apparent damage. Had it struck a submerged rock, or on an enormous wreck? They could not tell, but, on examination of the ship's bottom, when undergoing repairs, it was found that part of her keel was broken. This fact, so grave in itself, might perhaps have been forgotten like many others, if, three weeks after, it had not been reenacted under similar circumstances. But, thanks to the nationality of the victim of the shock, thanks to the reputation of the company to which the vessel belonged, the circumstance became extensively circulated. 
The 13th of April, 1867, the sea being beautiful, the breeze favorable, the Scotia of the Canard Company's line found herself in 15 degrees 20 minutes longitude and 45 degrees 37 minutes latitude. She was going at the speed of 13 knots and a half. At 17 minutes past four in the afternoon, whilst the passengers were assembled at lunch in the great saloon, a slight shock was felt on the hull of the Scotia, on her quarter, a little aft of the port paddle. The Scotia had not struck, but she had been struck, and seemingly by something rather sharp and penetrating than blunt. The shock had been so slight that no one had been alarmed, had it not been for the shouts of the carpenter's watch, who rushed on the bridge exclaiming, We are sinking, we are sinking! At first the passengers were much frightened, but Captain Anderson hastened to reassure them.